All right. Tonight, turn with me again to Genesis chapter 41. Well, it's not again, but turn to Genesis chapter 41. Tonight, we're going to get our third installment of Joseph and Jesus. So we have been talking about Joseph and Jesus for the last few Sunday nights. The first Sunday night, we talked about how they were loved by their fathers. They had that in common. They were hated by their brothers. And they were rejected as rulers. Last Sunday night, we said that they were conspired against. They were sold for silver. And they were condemned, though innocent. And tonight, we're going to look at three other things that they had in common. Their lives were, uh, what happened in Joseph's life, something similar happened in Jesus' life. So we're going to begin in chapter 41 of Genesis, and we're going to look at uh, verse 25 is where we're going to begin there. And the first thing that Jesus and, and Joseph have in common that we're going to talk about tonight is that they prophesied future events. They prophesied future events. Look at verse 25 through verse 36 of Genesis 41. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land uh, for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. The prophesying of future events. So this is our first point tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. God, again tonight we bow before you understanding and knowing, Father, that you know you have set history in motion. You began it. It goes according to your plan and you have an ending. Father, you have told us what that ending is going to be and it is with Jesus coming to set up his rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years. Lord, that's how our history is going to end and, and new things will begin. Thank you so much for that promise. 
It's my prayer tonight that as we exalt Jesus as Lord and King, that we will dedicate and devote ourselves completely to Him so that we can be pleasing in your sight, being good stewards, good servants to our Master. Thank you again, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the likenesses between Joseph and Jesus, the things that happened in Joseph's life that were repeated in a sense in Jesus' life, the first one tonight is that they both prophesied future events. Now Jacob had, or Joseph had already prophesied, he had dreams when he was younger, and he told his dreams to his brothers, and his brothers hated him because his dreams indicated that in the future he would be exalted above his brothers. He had another dream, and it said that his mother and father were going to bow, to him, bow down to him also. Uh, so he was rebuked for that, but it came about as it, as it did. But Jacob, uh, Joseph was in prison, and there were a couple of guys there that, that worked for the king, the, the baker and the, the uh, uh, cup bearer, the wine taster. They were both in prison with Joseph, and they had dreams, and Joseph interpreted those dreams and told them what the interpretation was. And so a couple of years later, the cupbearer before the king heard the, or before Pharaoh, heard Pharaoh talking about dreams that he had and that nobody could uh, interpret the dreams for him. So he says, wait a minute, there's a guy in prison that I spend a little time with who interpreted dreams. So they called Joseph out and he stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh told him the dreams and Joseph began interpreting the dreams for him telling what God was going to do in the future. So as he did that, he told Pharaoh, your, your dreams are the same dream. He dreamed two dreams, and he said, they're, they're going to be the same. They're go they mean the same thing, and what God is telling Pharaoh is, about, is what God is about to do. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of great abundance of crops. Everything that you grow, you're going to get a whole lot of. And he says, then... After that, seven years of famine, which will be so bad that you're going to forget all about the seven years of plenty. So he told Pharaoh that, and in that, he was prophesying what would happen in the future. Now, the other side of the coin, if you will, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, so let's turn to Matthew in the New Testament. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus was talking about the temple, and he, and he was prophesying he was telling them that the temple would be destroyed and that happened in in uh, AD 70 whenever the Romans came in and they tore down the temple and it was said that they they pried the the stones apart to get the gold that had melted and dripped into the the cracks and crevices of the stones so they were taking everything that they could they completely demolished the temple and every stone was taken down from on top of another so that they could get the gold out. Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple. 
And by the way, there has been no temple built back since that time. And there will not be until, until the, um, the tribulation period, until there's a peace accord struck with Israel for seven years. And then the temple will be rebuilt at that time. And, but praise the Lord, our hope is that we won't be here during that time. The Lord Jesus is going to take His church home to be with Him because we are not destined to wrath. Now, Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple. Going forward just a little bit in Scripture, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus prophesied Peter's denial. Jesus told them in 26 verse 31, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now we all know the end of that story. That's exactly what happened. After Jesus' arrest, while he was being tried, uh, Peter was standing outside. He was warming himself by a fire and he denied Jesus three times. And at, at the very moment that he denied him, the third time, there was a rooster that crowed. And one of the Gospels reports that Peter looked and saw Jesus, and Jesus was looking at him at that point. Jesus prophesied to Peter that he would deny him. Jesus also prophesied about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In Matthew chapter 26, looking at verse 26 there, Jesus was, this was during the Lord's Supper. Listen to what he said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In instituting that, he was telling them, This is how I'm going to die. I'm giving my body for you. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus spoke about his death and then his burial and his resurrection throughout his ministry. But listen to verse 32. He also prophesied about this. But after I have been raised, that's his resurrection, I will go before you to Galilee. Exactly what happened. The, the, the account, the, the reports that we have, this is exactly what happened. Jesus prophesied about his death, burial, and resurrection. He prophesied about G, uh, Peter's denial of him. And he prophesied the destruction of the temple. And this, that's just a few examples of what Jesus did prophesy, what he did tell about. So Jesus and Joseph had that in common. They both prophesied about future events. The next thing, going back to Genesis chapter 41, that they have in common, where they were both raised from humiliation. Both raised from humiliation. We're going back to Joseph, and you think about Joseph, his brothers had thrown him in a pit. They'd stripped his coat of authority off of him. They threw him in a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. And to be a slave, you know what a slave is. Uh, we, we, we have an idea of what a slave is, is about, but we really don't understand the harsh consequences or the harsh conditions that a slave lives under. You have no rights. The only thing that you're allowed to do is what the master tells you to do. 
So Joseph was sold as, as a slave. Although he did well in Potiphar's house, he was arrested uh, on false pretenses, or, or he was innocently uh, accused of a crime that he did not commit, thrown into prison. And he was in prison for several years, innocently in prison for several years. But then, in uh, Genesis 41, verse 37, after he had um, prophesied to Pharaoh or, or interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, in verse 37, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne shall I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zephnath paneah and he gave him a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph, in one day, went from being a prisoner in the prison to being second in command over the whole country. He was exalted. He was raised up from humiliation. Now going back to Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus' death and burial, we get the account of His being raised from humiliation. Think about Jesus. He was also falsely accused. They said, well, I mean, they arrested him for no reason. They accused him of blasphemy, which it wasn't blasphemy because he was the Son of God. So he was falsely accused and arrested on that pretense and basically killed because of that. So Jesus, having received the humiliation of, of not being believed, not being received. Then, not only that, but they took him out and beat him, whipped him, spit in his face, cursed him. Multitudes of humiliation made him carry his own cross as far as he could and then nailed him to it and crucified him. That humiliation ended in triumph for the Lord Jesus because on the third day, chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. 
But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus whom, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Jesus raised from humiliation. What was meant to be the end of the uprising, the end of Jesus, became his triumph. In the same way that Joseph's brothers thought that they were done with Joseph, but what they did was accomplish God's purpose in Joseph's life. They were both raised from humiliation. The last thing that I want to talk about that Joseph and Jesus had in common was both of them brought about salvation for their brothers. Going back to Genesis chapter 47. In Genesis 47, you see, Jesus is, I mean, uh, Joseph is received. He's received his brothers. They come and there's a whole episode about them getting grain and, and Joseph seeking to find out what they were doing and, and um, the whole episode of him checking on them to make sure their hearts were right. And finally, after their heart, he, he found that out, he told them who he was and uh, he told them, well, let's, let's go to verse 25 of, ch of chapter 47. So they said, this, now this is the Egyptians speaking to Joseph after they came to him and bought grain continuously for the, the, the time of the famine. They said to him, you have saved our lives. So he was salvation for the Egyptians. But then look at verse 27. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt. Now, Israel is Jacob, and, and all of the, the Israelites, all those that belonged to him, had moved to Egypt to be taken care of by Joseph. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Joseph was taking care of his family. Now, looking in chapter 50 of Genesis, continuing out the story, Jacob becomes an old, uh, older man and it comes to the time of his death and he dies and his family takes him back to Canaan to bury him. And then at, when they get back to Egypt, Joseph's brothers are worried that Joseph is going to uh, bring about retribution on them. He's going to take out his wrath on him now that his father is dead. So they come to him and says, uh, Our father said for you to forgive us, basically. And Joseph replies to them in chapter 50, verse 19. Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Joseph said, God had your salvation in mind all along. That's why Joseph had the dreams. That's why his brothers sold him into slavery. That's why he suffered in jail all that time. That's why he was exalted to the, the second place in all the kingdom so that he could save 
lives of those, not only his family, but those in Egypt as well. He brought about the salvation of his brethren. Now, turning back to the New Testament, go to Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11. The writer of Hebrews has this to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal, eternal inheritance. Now verse 26. Then he would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once, at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Jesus, through His sacrifice, brought about the salvation of those who would accept Him as their Savior. Joseph brought about the salvation of his brothers and those in Egypt because of the revelation that God gave him. Jesus brought about the salvation of all of us and all those who trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior because of God's salvation plan. His plan of redemption from the foundation of the world, Jesus accomplished it so that we could have salvation in His name. And this evening, as we gather together, I want to ask you the question, have you received His salvation? If not, He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. But you've got to ask Him. He puts the ball in your court. He allows you to make that decision. So if you need to make that decision tonight, please see me after the service. Let's pray together, please. God, you are so amazing in how you have orchestrated things all along. You are behind all the plan of history, and you know the future. Everything is going, going according to your plan. And Father, we know by your word, the end you've told us and so Lord we we exalt you we praise you for that we thank you for the promise of everlasting life in Jesus name Father you accomplish your purpose tonight in us in Jesus name I pray Amen